Welcome to Great Speeches and Interviews on Access Sacramento and The Voice. I'm Steve Lerman. Today's program is a debate, should the UN admit Palestine as a full member state? After 20 years of failed talks with Israel, can the international community be the only path left to a two-state solution? Or have the Palestinians set the peace process back by bypassing negotiations? Yes or no to this statement. The UN should admit Palestine as a full member state. It is a statement that divides us, but it's one that is worthy of fair and open debate, and that's what this is, another debate from Intelligence Squared US. I'm John Donvan. Welcome. We have two teams, four superbly qualified debaters, all of whom have lived at the heart of this argument, and it is an argument that, let's face it, in our lifetime has seemed to be rather permanent, the way that the Berlin Wall once seemed permanent, but turned out not to be, or a apartheid in South Africa seemed permanent, but turned out not to be. 
But Israel and Palestine, this is the one that seems never to end. And why is that? Well, nothing helps expose the fault lines like a good debate and debaters who are trying to make you understand their point of view and maybe get you to see something the way that you have never seen it before. Our motion is the UN should admit Palestine as a full member state. And to meet our debaters, Mustafa Barghouti, you are a Palestinian, a former presidential candidate in the Palestinian Authority. You are a Nobel Peace Prize nominee because you lead a party that is adamantly devoted to peaceful resistance to the Israeli occupation. And just very briefly, before we get started, what do you think is the point in this debate that your opponents don't understand yet that you want to make them understand? I think the point is that uh, admitting Palestine to the UN as a full member is in the best interest not only of the Palestinian people, but also of Israeli people. Thank you, Mustafa. Your teammate, who is also arguing for admission, Daniel Levy, it's going to surprise some people that Daniel Levy arguing on this side is actually a citizen of the state of Israel. You were also a negotiator on the Israeli side in negotiations with Palestinians. And, and Daniel, from your point of view, again, knowing that many of your uh, fellow Israelis would oppose this admission, uh, What do you want the doubters to hear tonight? Well, doubt is okay. Skepticism is healthy. Uh, But we can't pretend the Palestinians away and time isn't healing this. So not acting to facilitate a Palestinian state is just a dereliction of responsibility to ourselves and to future generations. Our, our motion is this. The UN should admit Palestine as a full member state. And arguing against the motion, Dory Gold, you were uh, at the United Nations as Israel's representative. You have been around the block on this one for years and years and years. And my question to you is, what do you think the audience needs to hear tonight that they've never considered before? The position I'm taking has nothing to do with recognition of the Palestinians. It has nothing to do with national dignity, which every people is entitled to. It has everything to do with undertaking an act which will create chaos precisely at a time when the Middle East is more dangerous than ever. Thank you very much. And your partner is Aaron David Miller. Aaron, you are a former U.S. Mideast negotiator, a public policy scholar at the Woodrow Wilson International Center for Scholars. And you also have been involved in this, in the negotiating table, as an American and as the American at the table for 20 years. And and what do you want your audience to key in on tonight? All of us. Uh, No more illusions is my trope. Uh, U.N. admission in the absence of an agreement between Israelis and Palestinians will not take the Palestinians any closer to the full sovereign state that they deserve. Thank you, Aaron David Miller. So we've heard from all of our debaters. We've met them all. Our motion is the UN should admit Palestine as a full member state. And here to argue first for the motion, the UN should admit Palestine as a full member state, former Israeli government negotiator, senior fellow at the New America Foundation, where he is co-director of the Middle East Task Force, Daniel Levy. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, on October the 10th, 1971, the United Nations admitted the People's Republic of China as a member and kicked out Taiwan. If that were the kind of motion we were debating tonight, I would not be standing here arguing in favour. What we are proposing is to admit Palestine at the UN not instead of Israel, but alongside Israel. We have not convened here to discuss matters of legal principle. Does Palestine meet the criteria of Montevideo for statehood? Law matters, but this is primarily a political, not a legal question. And it's not about the United Nations and whether it is a force for good or a frustrating institution. It can be both. But the assumption of this debate is the two-state paradigm. We do not have anyone here advocating a greater Jewish Israel or a binational democratic state. Nevertheless, it would be hubris to take two states for granted. And we need to recognize certain realities. The territorial viability of a second state in this area looks increasingly precarious. Approximately 600,000 Israelis, one in 10 
Israeli Jews live beyond the green line. Settlements grow, outposts are legalized. And it's not just a physical manifestation of blurring. It is also the conceptual universe in which a growing number of Israelis live. Prime Minister Netanyahu may have talked the talk on two states, but he has not walked the walk. His only could party platform opposes two states. And one must take seriously the Jewish-Israeli narrative that says 100 years ago we had nothing, then we got Balfour, then we got the 47 partition, then we got 78% of the land, then in 1967 we got 100% of the land and we're not going anywhere. Passivity cannot be the response. If we want two states, we have to act. And UN admission for Palestine is precisely the anchor for a two-state future, a clarifying moment. We need to be deeply respectful of the choices that Israelis are going to have to make, difficult choices, and therefore to understand just how unproductive the lack of clarity is for that Israeli conversation. Indulging bad behavior, treating that with impunity, is unhelpful in any human predicament. And we encourage the most self-destructive tendencies in Israeli behavior when we pretend that by doing nothing, allowing this slippage away from two states, somehow we're making it easier for Israeli society to change course. We are not. The cost-benefit calculation of Israelis needs to look different. Do we really think that Israel is waiting to leave the territories, just waiting, and the Palestinians just need to ask politely enough and behave well enough, and that's the key to unlock this? Let's acknowledge that it's not going to be easy, but the current policies aren't helping. We can't expect the Palestinians to wait forever. And we can't say to them that you can neither have self-determination and express it at the UN, but nor can you accept the one-state reality and argue for equal rights in one state. Suggesting the Palestinians can do neither is unrealistic, but it's also immoral. UN membership is not a silver bullet. It's not a panacea. It's not sprinkling pixie dust on the harsh realities of the Middle East. But it is an important and legitimate part of a strategy to signal a different future. I urge you to support this motion, to support the principle of Palestine alongside Israel at the UN. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel Levy. Our motion is the UN should admit Palestine as a full member state. And here to speak against the motion, Aaron David Miller. Over two decades, he advised six secretaries of state shaping U.S. policy on the Middle East and the Arab-Israeli peace process. He is a public fellow at the Woodrow Wilson Center. John, thank you very much. And thank all of you for coming. Daniel, I've known you for many years. I admire your passion and your intellect. You're a powerful advocate of Israeli-Palestinian peace, of logic and common sense. All of this, however, does not address the fundamental problem. It's a conundrum, Daniel. We're dealing with a conundrum. We are stuck. Violence will never produce sovereignty for Palestinians, but neither will negotiations right now. So the question is what to do. What you're suggesting, in my judgment, is that we take an action that is not simply neutral, that will retard and undermine the very concept. As dubious as you may believe it is, it is simply no justification for proceeding in the face of common sense logic toward an alternative that ultimately will not bring Palestinians closer to meaningful sovereignty. I speak here not in Israeli to you and not as a Palestinian. I speak with all of its imperfections and contradictions as an American absorbed in this process for many years. 25 years. And the situation, you're quite correct, Daniel, will be worse. It will get worse before it gets worse. But the question still has to be addressed. How will granting the putative state of Palestine 
admission as a full member state into the UN address any of this. Now, I'm here to argue in six basic points of why I believe this is a bad idea. And by the way, I would concede, particularly to you, Daniel, that I know bad ideas (laughs) when I see them. But not tonight. I have no illusions tonight. First, as an American whose country sits on the Security Council, I cannot in all good conscience recommend the admission of a putative state, however morally or ethically compelling it may be, as a full member state. Prime Minister Salam Fayyad, the man who has done more to build institutions of Palestinian statehood on the ground, is against this proposition because he knows it will undermine the work that he has done. Palestine has no borders. It has no control over its population. It has no monopoly over the forces of violence within its own society. In short, it does not control the guns, all of the guns, in its society. I would argue that's critically important for statehood. Second, as an American, I'd oppose this because I believe it's not symbolic. It's a prescription and an Rx, if you will, for instability and perhaps even escalation. Think about it. We are admitting the Palestinian Authority that presumes to control Palestine into the UN when, in fact, two other entities, one, the state of Israel, an ally of the United States, and a second factor and force, Hamas, an entity which is an adversary of the United States, has more control over what transpires in Palestine, this putative state, than the Palestinian Authority. That is a prescription for endless contradictions and perhaps even violence. Which brings me to my third point. There will be an Israeli reaction. And who is going to control that reaction? The United States? The international community? As Israel sets, seeks perhaps to set its own boundaries? To basically say to the Palestinians, fine, you have now set your boundary. June 4, 67 is the basis of a negotiation if we ever return to the table. But we're going to set ours now as well. We will set our boundary. And we will be dragged sooner, sooner rather than later away from the prospect of any kind of solution. Fourth, if the Palestinians want to pick a fight with the Americans, that's their business. But I would argue it's counterproductive. Thank you, Aaron David Miller. Time's up. Thank you. Great speeches and interviews is your source for in-depth information about the economy, foreign peace, climate change, and more. Now with more speeches and more interviews than the leading brand, also contains tasty tidbits of humor and song, fortified with more debates than the other brands, and all comparisons are fictional. Broadcast on Sunday from 6 to 8 p.m. on KUBU 96.5 FM. class. 
past We could create jobs that are gonna last We could feed and nurture all the dying children We could pay the people who sew our clothes Even buy every American a rose But we'd rather have more bombs to drop on civilians So we need 50 billion more Of course that money could feed the poor But don't you know this country is at war and now, back to the debate. The U.N. should admit Palestine as a full member state. A reminder of what's going on. We are halfway through the opening statements in this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. I'm John Donvan. We have four debaters, two teams of two, fighting it out over this motion. The U.N. should admit Palestine as a full member state. You have heard the first two opening statements, and now on to the third to debate in support of this motion that the U.N. should admit Palestine as a full member state. Palestinian democracy activist, Secretary General of the Palestinian National Initiative, and Nobel Peace Prize nominee Mustafa Barghouti. I have four reasons that I would like to emphasize why Palestine should be admitted to the UN. The first is that time is not an infinite commodity. We're losing time. And with the continuation of Israeli settlements on the ground, which are illegal, and after 20 years of failed negotiations, we cannot have the risk of losing the two-state solution. If Palestine is not accepted as a state very soon there will be no two-state solution, and the outcome will be dangerous and bad for everybody. What Mr. Miller has suggested and what probably Mr. Gold will suggest is to continue the same path of failure, the same negotiations that failed to produce anything. What they are proposing is to continue what Einstein described as insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expect different results. Third, continuing negotiations while settlements continue to grow is like having two sides negotiating over a piece of cheese. One side, the Palestinian side, is stuck behind bars. The Israeli side having access to the piece of cheese and eating it while negotiating. At the end of the day, we'll find nothing to negotiate about. And that is not a solution. We have one of three options. Either Palestinians would surrender to injustice in this case, what you will witness is the consolidation of a system of apartheid where Palestinians are discriminated against. And Israel would become the worst apartheid system in the 21st century, something that nobody could be proud about. Or the second option is violence, which we reject. The third option is to have nonviolent peaceful resistance, exactly like Gandhi did in India and like Martin Luther King did here in the United States. And that's the course we are taking. And that's why going to the UN is nothing but another act of diplomatic resistance within the context of popular nonviolent resistance to change parameters and to change the balance of power so that we can have productive negotiations and have a result at the end of the road. My third point is that supporting our right to be admitted to the United Nations will be sending the right message, the message of respect to human rights, the message of respect of the right of people to be sovereign. My last point is that we know that admitting Palestine to the United Nations will not immediately create a change on the ground, but it will achieve three goals. First, it will give us hope. Hope is what we need today to sustain nonviolent approach to our resistance and struggle. Second, accepting Palestine will actually uh, invalidate all the de facto actions on the ground that are made by Israel by creating settlements. And third, it will send a message to the Israelis that they will not be really free unless Palestinians are also free. And that's why what we want is to liberate ourselves from oppression, the longest occupation in modern history, and the worst apartheid system, and to liberate the Israelis from fear, 
from the security phobia. One time, a Palestinian leader came to the United Nations with a gun and an olive branch. Today, we are coming to the United Nations with two olive branches. Don't let us drop them. Thank you. Thank you, Mustafa Barghouti. Our motion is the UN should admit Palestine as a full member state. Our final debater is going to speak against the motion. He's Dory Gold, world-renowned expert on Middle Eastern affairs. He's former Prime Minister of Israel's foreign policy advisor and a former ambassador to the United Nations. Dory Gold. When I served as Israel's ambassador to the United Nations back in the late 1990s, I had a colleague, a counterpart, who was the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. He became a very close friend and someone I intellectually admired. His name, fortunately he's passed away, was Richard Holbrook. And one of the things I was struck by, I, before I was sent to the UN, I was an Israeli negotiator. I was sent to the sand dunes of Gaza where Mohammed Dachlan would pick me up in that extended Mercedes and take me to Arafat's house. And we would discuss how to move forward in peace. And by the way, those discussions were tough. Because you, when you're in a meeting like that, you don't know where to park your head. Should you remember the Israelis who died in repeated suicide terrorist attacks that came out of territory under Arafat's jurisdiction? I know that's tough to mention, but you've got to know that. Do you think of those people? Do you think about building a future? Do you forget about the tragedies of the past so you'll have hope? It's very, very tough. But I had that experience, and what I had seen in the 90s is we didn't succeed. We didn't succeed diplomatically. We reached agreements. And by the way, the man that um, some spokesmen like to... Uh, try and put in the corner Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu signed two agreements with the Palestinians, withdrew from territory, risked his whole political base because he wanted to move the process forward. So I saw that we had a tough time moving forward. And after I left government in 1999 and Prime Minister Ehud Barak came to office and Barak went to Camp David with Yasser Arafat, peace wasn't concluded. But I asked myself through my contacts with Holbrook, how was it? that Richard Holbrook delivered the greatest political diplomatic achievement of the Clinton administration, the Dayton Accords over Bosnia, while we didn't succeed in the Middle East. The battle between Croats, Bosnian Muslims, the Serbs, was religious, ethnic, territorial. It had all the ingredients that we had, but they persisted. They persisted to negotiate. I, I discerned from my discussions with Holbrook and from reading his memoirs on that conflict that there were three elements he concluded that there must be a negotiated outcome. The second thing that comes from my experience with talking to him, and it's also in his memoirs, is that peacemaking must come from the parties themselves. The great breakthroughs at Dayton came from those three warring parties. They were brought to Ohio. It's true. Secretary of State was in and out. President Clinton was ready to come in. But they themselves were responsible for reaching peace, and an imperfect peace. And finally, you need diplomatic flexibility. You have got to make a compromise. You've got to cut a deal. You can't walk away. Now let me move to the issue at hand between us. What is my problem with the proposal that a Palestinian state be recognized as a UN member state? My question is really twofold. First of all, carefully listening to the speech of um, Mahmoud Abbas on September 23rd at the uh, UN General Assembly, he wasn't just saying, accept us in principle. He was laying out borders. And uh, I think Aaron made the reference to it, the June 4th, 1967 line. As though there was some kind of pre-67 boundary, border, that was an international line that we have to agree to. So we're talking about predetermining the final boundaries by moving to the UN. Dory Gold, I'm sorry your time is up. 
president stood in front of the jet planes. The rubble's all settled and democracy reigns. We defeated their army, taken control. Dropped thousands of bombs and they've taken their toll. The oil's on fire, just like the blood of a billion Muslims. Dragged through the mud and the world is safer with the dictator gone. And their lot will improve with our corporate pawn. The war is over. That's what he said, go back to your business. We've buried the dead and the war is over. Fatherless children have taken the street. All that remains is the sting of defeat. Homes are in ruins, cancer is rife. For soldiers and newborns, the end of a life. Kids grown up with just hunger and fear But lo, behold, the Yankees are here Now you people are gonna be free Cause this land was made for Chevron and me And the war is over That's what he said, just turn on your TV We've buried the dead and the war is over The government files are all up in flames His victims of torture, who remembers their names The past doesn't matter, but the future is bright As the Exxon refinery lights up the night History's looted like the library's shelves But we'll fill them with Bibles, be proud of ourselves Turn your schools into compounds, make room for us all If you're missing your legs, you can learn how to crawl The war is over That's what he said, forget it all happened We've buried the dead and the war is over And the price was worth it, yeah we'd do it again With bombs or with sanctions, kids, women and men Cause we have national interests and they must be met we will enforce them by treaty or jet And when time has passed we've had some rest We'll find a new villain cause that's what we do best Maybe a sultan or a grandson of Mao But don't trouble your conscience because as of now the war is over That's what he said, just put it behind you We've buried the dead and the war is over. And now, messages from Access Sacramento. 